I'm Barry Worthington. I'm Adam Pendlebury. And I'm Graham Shinney. And this is the Progress with Unity podcast. Welcome to this special edition of the uh, Progress with Unity podcast. We've got a special guest with us today. It's none other than Scotland International, Latics number 18, Graham Shinney. How are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. Veteran of 489 games, scoring 27 goals. You've been booked 115 times, but <laughs> never sent off. Is that true? Yeah, that is true, yeah. I've been close a few times. Not so much a second yellow, more of just maybe a, a tackle, like a straight red more than two yellows. But I'm, I kind of, once I get booked in a game, I know my limits and I know I can't really dive in as much as what I normally do. So it's it's the way I kind of play. I'm an, an aggressive, kind of tenacious player and, and that's the way I, I play my game. But I know once I get booked, um, I need to calm it down a little bit. So, yeah, I've always got control of, of my emotions. Right. You captained Inverness Calais to the 2015 Scottish Cup final and lifted the trophy as skipper. I what did, a feeling yeah. that must have been. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Um, I was still really young at that point. I don't know what age I would have been, but I was still young, maybe 22, 23, I think I was. So 24. 20, was I 24? <laughs> um, so, yeah, still young to as a captain, so... Um, to have done that and it was my last season obviously I was on on my way to Aberdeen at that point I'd signed a pre-contract so to go out in that way and to leave the club as a Scottish Cup winning captain and they also got European football through the league position as well so um, it was a perfect way to, to go out just on that point, uh, had, you, had you been captain for for a while, or was it was it was it that season? Because you're right, it is, it is you know relatively young, isn't it, for a captain? Well, I wasn't actually the club captain at the time. Um, our club captain was an older player called Richie Foran, and he had a, a long term injury, and he had had it for a while, and it was, I think that might have been his la- his last season as well. So he was kind of on his way out of, of football and, and moving on to different things. So I wasn't actually the club captain, but I'd basically been the footballing captain for the whole of the season. So I felt I felt as if I was kind of the captain of the of the team, not really of the club. So um, yeah, I still I still felt like I had the responsibilities of a captain on the pitch. I just didn't have the responsibilities off the pitch. Was Terry Butcher still gaffed at that point? No, he had left. He had went to Hibs. Uh, John Hughes had came in the year before that. Uh, Terry Butcher had done really well with the club, obviously, and uh, Hibs were without a manager and took Terry Butcher away from us. And we got a new manager in called John Hughes, who was who was unbelievable, uh, unbelievable coach. The way he wanted to play football, and, and he won us the cup. You moved then to your own town club, Aberdeen. You got to three cup finals and finished second in the league as well. And each time you were runner up to Celtic. Yeah, it's, it's that's one frustration of mine in football is that that Aberdeen team that I played in over the years were good enough to win a trophy and we didn't we just couldn't get it over the line. But I think we came up against the Brendan Rogers Celtic team one of the years that we finished second in the league and runners up in both of the cups. And I think if it wasn't for Brendan Rogers 
that year we definitely would have, have won something. The the strength we had in that Aberdeen team was was different class. A lot of players have, have moved on. Kenny McLean's played in the Premier League. Scott McKenna now in the Premier League. There's a lot of players. James Madison, I don't know if he played in that team at that time, but he was there at some point. So we had a, a strong, strong team, but we just came up against a, an invincible Selway team that nobody could beat. Well, she was though. You played against your brother Andrew as well, didn't you? In the I think it was the quarter quarterfinals when it was at Ebbs. Yeah, it was. It might have. Yeah, it might have been the semi-finals actually, because it was at Handen. So the semi-finals and the finals finals were at Handen, and yeah, he came on as a sub. He didn't actually start the game, but he left the game on the losing side. So. Happy days. <laughs> yeah. Uh, did you have a big rivalry with him? I know you played in, in local football together, didn't you? Then you went to, to Kelly with him. Yeah. Was... He, he moved over from Rangers. Did you, but did you have that brother, brotherly rivalry between yourselves? Growing up, we we did really bad. It, it was more so me probably than, than Andrew. I was very competitive, but it was one of those feelings that Andrew used to beat me a lot because he was older than me at the time and, uh, it used to frustrate the life out of me, so we fought every day, every day outside in the garden. Or we had a car park behind our house. We used to play football quite a lot, and it would always end up me probably starting a fight with him at some point. <laughs> but as as we moved on, obviously he was at Rangers, and when he was getting released from there, it was kind of me that sorted out his his move a little bit. Whereas Terry Butcher was obviously in constant contact with me and I was in constant contact with Andrew at the time and kind of keeping them both in, in talking and ended up signing him and two years we played together up there it was it was unbelievable for the family and and for me and Andrew and it's weird it's like I know we're brothers and that but on the pitch there was there was that connection on the pitch we always kind of looked out for each other for passes or for for things like that and quite a strange feeling playing together really and then I think I got Andrew a move to, to Birmingham with the amount of assists I probably set up for him. <laughs> and he and he moved on to Birmingham, which he thoroughly deserved. He'd done really well at, at Inverness. And yeah, it was when he was on loan from Birmingham at Hibs that we played against each other in the in the Scottish Cup. So we've kind of been together in football throughout the years in different ways. At one stage it was playing together and then playing against each other and then when I moved to Derby, I made my debut for Derby against Luton when Andrew was there and he was playing in that game as well. So it's like we've just been in constant battles over the years. <laughs> you moved to Derby in 2019. There was a little bit of speculation in the January that you, you might have been coming to us. Was you aware of any interest from Wigan Athletic at the time? Yeah, I was. Um, one because my agent had obviously told me of the interest, but nothing really came of it. I think there was talks maybe between the managers at the time I think it was Paul Cook and Derek McInnes was my manager at Aberdeen at the time and I don't know whether they had talked about it whether the clubs had talked about anything but nothing really came to fruition for me as in to make a decision or it was one of those I heard of the interest and there was interest there from me but nothing really came of it for me to make any sort of decision so it kind of January passed and the <clears throat> And the window closed and it was one of those for me. It was like, well, I'll just wait till the, the end of the season and, and see what my options are there. So there was interest, but there wasn't any way of, of for me making a decision. It was more talk and, and hearsay for me, really. 
Yeah, I think it was a lot of hearsay from Alan Nixon as well, that the guy with his ear to the ground. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Seems to know a lot going on in Scottish football, though, doesn't he, Nick? He has a lot of contacts. Yeah, he does. Um, I don't really know of him as, as such, but a lot of people take what he says as gospel, so he must have some, some pull and power. <laughs> yeah. He's got to get some of them right, hasn't he? If he throws that many out there, he's got to get get some of them right. Yeah, I'm just Correct. thinking then uh, when when obviously you mentioned him playing with with your brother that we've had a pair of famous Scottish players before the uh, the Coldwell brothers. I was just thinking, wondering whether they'll they'll be a shinny reunited at any point. I hope so. I'd, lo- I'd love to. Um, whether Wigan would want Andrew, I don't know, but um, I don't know in my, in my career. Obviously, I'm I'm 31 now and and getting on a little bit, but um, I'd still love to at some point in my career maybe play with Andrew again, where where wherever that may be or or what it may be, it might happen further down the line. But you just don't know in football. You made just your international debut as well. Ali McLeish gave you your first cap. Yeah, he gave me my first cap. Yeah, it was in uh, South America against Peru. I actually gave up my stag do to go away on that trip. <laughs> My brother was fuming, <laughs> but it was one of those trips that I couldn't kind of give it up. I knew going away to South America and the distance that I was traveling and it was two friendly games. So I had a, a good chance of, of getting my first cap and I almost felt as if it was a banker that I would get on at some point and, and get my cap. So that's why I kind of gave up my, my stag do to, to go there. And luckily I got on in both games. I started the second one came on as a sub in the first one, so it was my first two caps. So I think people will let me off for that one to, to miss my stag day. I think the listeners, knowing what I'm like, would say that it would be remiss of me to ask, where, where did you give up for your stag day? Where were you meant to be going on your stag day? Marbella. Oh, right, okay. So my Marbella this is uh, presumably Lima. Exactly that. Did you get one in the end, Graham, even if it was maybe scaled down? No, it's still there in, in the the bank for, for the misses of Toter, but um, <laughs> the football seasons the football seasons are mad with my, my friends back home and, and my brother and everyone else, so we've not actually had the chance to, to get away yet, but it's still there. It's still yeah. uh, in, in the in the back pocket. <laughs> well, pretty what we are. I've been on a lot of stag do's, Graham, but I haven't represented my country. So I think you made the right decision. <laughs> I think so, mate. I think so. You signed for Latics in January. You come yeah. into a, a really settled squad. Max Power and Tom Dale are in midfield in, in them two midfield berths. What was it like coming in and, and trying to force your way into, into the starting eleven? It was tough. It was... A hard one because obviously there was a lot going on around Derby and, and admin and I didn't think so much about football really. It was more of of the football in terms of keeping Derby going and uh, everything that, that came with that. So when I was moving through, it all happened so quick and it, it was tough at that point. Uh, I loved my time at Derby. I loved the club. I loved the fans. But the situation was that I had to go and Wigan was a big club that I was delighted to to come and join. And then once I came here, obviously joining a team that was was flying high, like you say, coming in, um, it was very difficult to to break in the team. I played, I think, the Gillingham was my first game, and I had a, a little run of games of three or four. But there was a, I think there was a few changes. I think Tendai had went to left back, Max had went to right back, and 
I felt like it upset the rhythm of the team a little bit, and that's maybe why the manager kind of reversed it and and went back to what he had 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 previously before January. And to be fair, it worked. Uh, the team were playing well. There was a lot of games which I know the manager knew as well. He needed the squad. There was uh, a lot of games coming up, um, but the boys handled it tremendously well and and were playing well every game. And it was one of those I had to just sit there and and say, look, take my medicine. The the lads are playing well. I can't complain. And I knew kind of in my head, I was desperate for the team to get promoted, obviously, to to be back into the championship. And I know what I can do in, in this league. So it was one of those I thought, if we can get promoted, enjoy it with the team, work hard in the off season, come back in pre season, give it my all to to have a fresh start and and try and force my way into the team. So um, yeah, it was one of those I could understand the the situation. I'm an older player, so I understand football, and it wasn't one of those that I was going to go and break down the gaffer's door. I accepted it. I knew what it was about, and I knew my time and. In the season to come was was my time to try and really break into the team, and to be fair, that took me a little bit of time as well. But I've done it eventually. Yeah, moving on to this season, like you say, I think you've four starts have you made this this so far this season. Of the last five man of the matches, the listeners to our podcast have voted you in four of those to win it. Oh wow! You've obviously made that connection with the supporters, and they appreciate the effort that you're putting in. But like I say, I mean, it was difficult once at the to, to get in. You, you you got a minute at Norwich, and and then we went to Birmingham, and and you know we had a player sent off, so strategic substitutions are made, aren't they? I think I came on around sixty five, maybe made a, a triple sub. It was me, Charlie Wyke, and Nathan Broadhead that came on. I was happy that I'd came on and and was able to contribute to a win because my like you say my minutes had been very limited. I came on for a minute at Norwich. And I hadn't played much before that, so I was happy to at least get on and, and help the team to win that game and then pushed on after that. That particular game as well, it was a special event with, with Charlie coming back after being out for so long and making that goal as well that Nathan Broadhead, didn't he? He laid the ball on. As a supporter, you could see the celebration of the players. I mean, it's obvious you're a very close-knit group. Yeah, definitely. Since I came in, and well, even before I came in, I, I kind of heard a lot about that and how good a dressing room it was and the characters that were in the dressing room. And it it didn't take me long to, to see that when I was in. I settled in well in the dressing room. All the lads were, were brilliant. I mean, we went away to Vegas in the summer after we got promoted together as a team. That's the first time I've ever done that as a team. I've not had that at any of my pre- previous clubs. So <clears throat> it shows what the, the lads are all about. They, they enjoy socialising outside of the club we spend obviously a lot of time with each other during the season because there's games and training and traveling and in hotels so you're naturally together a lot so yes it's a brilliant brilliant dressing room and uh, I think you're right you can see that when you go out on the pitch just as a thought that when Barry's mentioned you know those substitutions in the Birmingham game obviously we had the one in the in in the first half pretty much straight after the uh, after the sending off Liam seems absolutely superb with the way that he that he utilizes his fat you know the fact that he has the opportunity to use the five substitutions if if he needs to do it and as a player if you're on if you're on the on the bench i suppose it it gives you that 
a lot more belief that you you kind of going to get on. You've I mean I know you've always got to be ready anyway, but essentially you know that Liam does use his squad players and he's made those substitutions in in, in the various games this season and and they have had an impact uh, on the game. So I'm just wondering from a player's perspective what what you think of the the kind of the the new sort of five substitute on the substitutes. It's one of those that when you're not playing which I, I hadn't been and I'd only played, I think, one minute at, at Norwich. I hadn't played in the other games. It comes to a point where when you get those opportunities, you need to take them. So if you're a player that's kind of sulking, that you're not in the team and, like you say, you're not ready to come on, you're not physically ready because you've not been working hard off the pitch at, at training and um, in the gym and, and these kind of things, if you're not ready to take your chance, then you won't get in the team. The only way you can get in the team is when you're on the pitch to, to do as well as you can. And I think with those little kind of opportunities that I got, it kind of built on that that Birmingham game where I came on and we ended up winning the game. And from there on, I then started to, to come into the team a little bit more. So I think for any players that are not in the team, it's it's one of those you are frustrated and, and you have to be because emotionally if you're not frustrated we're not playing then you're accepting sitting on the bench which is is not acceptable so yeah being ready is 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 part of football um the five substitutes i think is good especially with the, the three stoppages it, it means that there's the same amount of stoppages you can just get more players on the pitch which it can be good and especially with a build-up of games that are coming in october if you're ever sort of in a, a good position in a game you can maybe use the five st- substitutes to rotate the squad and, and try and give boys a bit of a rest or like you say you can rejuvenate the, the squad by putting players on to try and give them a, a kick to go on and win games which we've had it at Birmingham we've had it at Luton we've needed players to come on and, and give us that little bit of edge to, to go on and win the game so uh, I think it's a good rule I think it's, it's good that there's only three stoppages because then Managers obviously aren't just doing it to to waste time and and to break up the game and and run the clock down. So yeah, I actually really really like it. You mentioned Luton though. I mean, I've got Luton marked down as leaving it late because we did leave it late, and it was the same at Huddersfield and Birmingham. Is that something to do with the character of the team that we go for ninety minutes and, and we can pull these results out? I think it's a mixture of things. I think it is the character of the team. I think it's the the fitness and the the work rate that we've we've had in pre-season because pre-season was tough. It's one of the toughest I've had in recent years. It's not been too bad with COVID and seasons have kind of merged into one. And when I was at Aberdeen, we had Europa League, so we didn't really get a lot of time off. But in terms of pre-season, it's the toughest I've had since probably Terry Butcher, who was very old school in his ways. It was almost like an army camp for, for a good week and a half. I like it. I'm... I'm that kind of player running is probably a big part of my game. And the lads came back in really good nick. We went to Spain, worked really hard. Training was was hard. The boys put in a lot of work. We're doing triple sessions, sometimes even four sessions a day. Um, And I think that reflects now in the games. Like you say, we've we've won games late in the game, which shows fitness levels are are really good. And like you say, obviously, character of the team to, to keep driving on and and keep going right to the end, testament to the boys. You mentioned there about the fact you like running about and that, but I just wondered if you're aware of your nickname, Shiniesta, and if uh, <laughs> Iniesta is a big, you know, you're a big fan of his. And if not, which midfield players did you look up to as you were you were growing up? 
Yeah, I've obviously heard of the, <laughs> the rumours for a few years. <laughs> I didn't look up to Iniesta. I've watched him a lot. I liked I liked Sergio Busquets as a, a deep line midfielder. I liked the three of them in that Barcelona team. There's a lot of midfielders that I, I watch. Even now, I still watch. I know I'm 31 now, but I still watch Tony Cruz, who is, can run a game, raise the tempo when he wants. He can slow it down. He can he can just control a game. Um, Luka Modric as well. Watched them against Selwick the other week. Luka Modric at 37 is still running the the show in the Champions League. It's it's something to admire. Um, so yeah, it doesn't matter what age I get. Still like watching these these players. I grew up kind of watching Scottish football and a lot of players in in the league. Barry Ferguson, sort of Neil Lennon's, a lot of them kind of players. Um, and, and old firm games and all that so yeah I've, I've watched a lot of sort of midfielders over the years and you try and sort of pick little bits out of their game that you can you can try and take it not many of them run about and, and kick people's heels and <laughs> run about the way I do but um, yeah try and take little bits out of their well, game Shiniesta got kicked it up in that that World Cup final in 2010 from memory so, yeah he's not, not a bad not a bad one to be compared to yeah he's Unbelievable! That Spain team, the Barcelona team, the Barcelona team, I think is one of the greatest teams I'll probably ever see. I thought they were absolutely unbelievable. So watching these kind of players, it's just it's it's something else. And you do try and take things out of the game. It's very hard because they are the top of the tree. They are elite, but there's no harm in watching them and trying to replicate little things that they do. That team that you mentioned, the sort of 2009 to 11 Barcelona team, and. There was a question put to uh, Alex Ferguson about which one of the Barcelona players would he sign, you know, if given the opportunity. Uh, and he said, well, put it one way, it wouldn't be Mascarano. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and he said, what a stupid question. I don't think he would have minded uh, Messi in that uh, in that Man United side at the uh, at the time, alongside your old gaffer, Mr Rooney. Yeah. I don't think anyone would not want Messi in their team. We're sort of renowned around here for, for having Scottish players. When we first got into the league in, in 78, Ian McNeil was the manager. He was from up your way up, up Aberdeen Road, and with George Urquhart, who you probably don't know, Ian Purdy, who I'm sure you won't know. I mean, well before your time. But all all through through the club's history, we've, well, we had the two Max, didn't we? MacArthur and MacArthur. Lee McCulloch. Steve McMillan. I mean, there's just tons of them. And we, we even had uh, Billy McKay, didn't we? He came down from, from Inverness. Yeah. yeah he didn't quite yeah, make Billy it McKay. with us. He was good at Inverness as well. Obviously, Gary Caldwell as manager and player as well, as we mentioned previously. So very, very good links with Scottish players. I think that's the thing with English teams. The Scottish League, they can pick up gems for, for cheap. I know a lot of English youth Players that come through and are, are very good cost a lot of money. That's what it is. The English market is is very expensive these days. So I think especially champ championship clubs will will go looking in the Scottish league because there's a lot of good good players, a lot of good talent that always want to to challenge themselves down here as well. And I think obviously the Premier League is a big goal for a lot of players to to try and play in it. So a lot of the players in Scottish football look to to England as well as a, a big challenge for them. So. I think that's always why there's there's always links there and, and there's always players coming down. Before we move into the quick fire quiz, which is, is only very short, I just wanted to ask you, ask you about, in our squad, who would you pick out as one for the future? Well, I think the obvious one is obviously Tello, who has unbelievable ability. He's, he's good off both feet. 
he can take the ball in, in tight situations. I think he's got a, a massive, massive future. I think obviously he's still young, so it's not expecting too much from him. Young youth players can have a bit of sort of inconsistency sometimes. It's it's getting to know the game and getting to sort of used to, to playing good games regularly having that sort of pressure on them to, to play well every week. And he's one that will grow and grow and grow. Not physically, because I don't think he can get much taller. <laughs> but he's got unbelievable talent. And I really do think he's one that could could go far. I wouldn't mind seeing him with Haaland anyway one day. In the <laughs> Where he, how far he could go, I don't know. But he's got the, the talent to, to do very, very well in football. Right then, quick quiz. I'm going to give you four players' names and I want you to tell, to tell me what they've got in common. Bruno Vale, Simon Slugger, Cammy Bell and Lee Camp. They've all got something in common. Hmm. Slugger, he, was that the keeper at Luton that let that goal in? Have, I, have they goalies that, not that I've scored against, is it? Yeah, you've scored against all those keepers, yeah. <laughs> Slugger, yeah, I scored a penalty against him. I forgot that, actually. Uh, who was the other ones? Cammy Bell. Scored a few against Kilmarnock. St. Johnston, he was that. Was it? Yeah. Scored you, scored your first, <laughs> you scored your first goal against Craig. I can't remember his second name now, but Kilmarnock. Samson. Craig Sampson. Do me research. I scored, I scored two in that game against St. Johnston because Jason Kerr was playing. I remembered that one. <laughs> oh, yeah. The 23rd of October, 2019, 9.32pm. What were you doing? <laughs> 2019. Uh, scoring against Wigan. <laughs> You've got it, yeah. In, in the 92nd oh, nice minute. That made it a long journey on for me, Graham. <laughs> that was only my third game in for Derby. I'd, I couldn't get a game. A little bit similar to here. I couldn't get a sniff for about two months. And then eventually got in the team. It was a, a debut against my brother at Luton. Played really well. Got man of the match that day. And then I think we played Charlton the game after that. We got beat 3-0 or something. And then I played Wigan was the next game. And then I scored a last-minute winner. So I kind of kicked on from from that game. But it was a similar situation a little bit to here as I couldn't get in the team. And then once I did get in the team, I kind of started to play well and, and cement my place a little bit. And I think that Wigan goal really cemented my place at Derby. So that Stop helped me out massively. The last one. Smokies or Stovies? Stovies. For those I who don't Stovies, know, it's, it's a pan of lobbies. Stovies with brown sauce. <laughs> yeah, I love them as well. Graham, it's been an absolute pleasure. We've run out of time, unfortunately. Thank you very uh, much for joining us. Pleasure, man. Best of luck for the rest of the year.